today marks officially the second round of our top 11 tournament. As you guys heard, last week we had the top 11 49er games of the decade. Now today, as promised, the top 11 Warriors games of the decade. Now this, of course, will be followed by the top 11 San Francisco Giants games of the decade. And then our tournament officially, officially begins. We will determine what are the top 11 greatest games played by all three teams. What makes the top, the top, top from all three determine what are the 11 best games played by your favorite Bay Area sports teams. Now, before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash the Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, always. And you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment, because we always enjoy hearing from you, and we certainly want to get your take Whenever we talk anything top 11, because it is always a blast to come up with your favorite top 11 of anything. Absolutely. And Candlestick Will, where can they find us if they need to talk to us specifically about their top 11 lists? Where can they find us? Easiest way is to go to Twitter at top 11 podcast. So top 11 podcast. Yeah. And Raymond, where can they find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis one. And you can find me at my brand new handle. I am Rudy third. I am Rudy three R D candlestick. Will, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at candlestick. Will. All right, here we go. The top 11 tournament continues with our second round, but of course, as always, the greatest podcast intro in the game, the Goldcast. Here we go. Classes in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom. Welcome to another Top 11 Podcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the first, baby. And our esteemed co-host. Candle, stick, will. Boom. All right, gentlemen, here we go. The next round, arguably the most successful team, probably actually undeniably the most successful team in the Bay Area of the last 10 years. The Golden State Warriors, they are here and ready to show off what their top 11 games are. Um, Candlestick Will, you and I were talking about this off air, but let's talk about it on air. Pretty tough. I would say the hardest of the three has got to be this round. Yeah, well, I mean, just the sheer number of... Uh, playoff games, the sheer number of wins. I mean, the the five year stretch between fifteen and nineteen, there they won more games than any team in NBA history in a five year stretch. Um, they've won eighty six playoff games this decade, and 
just the, the sheer fact that they've been in 23 playoff series in this decade and in, even in just the last seven years um, that there's just so many games that you could choose from. And that's just the playoffs. I mean, we're not even talking about all the regular season wins. So, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a lot of a lot of amazing accomplishments by this organization these last seven years, um, and uh, and just incredible how many how many choices we have. Absolutely, it's it was daunting. It was daunting to sit there and go, okay, which games do I think? deserve to be on the top 11 what is the criteria and as always i think and i think i speak for all of us when we say that it's always kind of a mix of historical importance your personal favorites coupled with um you know uh significance to to just the the moment in time for that particular season and it's always kind of a mix of that between what you find what 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 you think is probably the greatest game, what you think, what's your favorite game, and what's maybe the most important game just based on any given season. And so I think these, I think uh, we were saying this before, I feel like every big game will probably be represented somewhere. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who make, what games make it to whose lists. And of course, as always, who, what is the number one greatest Warriors game? of the past 10 years that I'm very curious. Are we going to all hit number one again? Like we did with the 49ers or are they going to be completely different as most of the time they are? So it'll be very interesting to see where we land on all of this. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. Ray, what do you got for 11 through eight? So 11 through eight, number 11 is the October 31st, 2017 game versus New Orleans Pelicans. For number 10, I've got the May 28th, 2018 game versus the Houston Rockets. And for number 9, I've got June 11th, the 2015 game versus Cleveland. And number 8, I've got May 22nd, 2017, Golden State versus San Antonio. Nice. What about you, Rudy? Ooh, all right. So my number 11. 2013, April 23rd, round one, game two at Denver. Number 10 is 2018, October 29th, game eight of the regular season versus the Bulls. Number nine, 2015, October 31st, game three of the regular seasons at the Pelicans. Same one as you, Ray. And then number eight, 2016, December 6th, Game 21 of the regular season versus the Pacers. Now, Candlestick Will, what about you? So, for number 11, I've got the February 27, 2013 game at Madison Square Garden. Um, for number 10, I've got a tie January 23, 2015, and December 5, 2016. Those games against the Kings and the Pacers. Uh, Clay Thompson had something to do with both of those. A- April 23, 2015. Um, at New Orleans, the West Divisional Playoffs, Game 3 of that series. And then for number 8, I have another tie, the June 7, 2017, and June 6, 2018 games of the finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nice. So, Ray, why don't you break down your, your four? 
So October 31st, 2015 was actually the third game in the regular season. And really it was the, the kind of the, what would be, you know, the second coming of Steph Curry's MVP effort when he threw down 53 points, he was 17 for 27, eight for 14 on threes, nine assists, four steals. I think he had four rebounds as well. And to me, that was just, you know, him making a statement really coming out early in the gate after that game. And it really kind of just put a stamp on the league, just like, hey, um, I was not a fluke. This is not, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, there's a reason why I am Click Steph Curry, you know, the, the greatest shooter of all time. The May 22nd, 2018 game, that was game seven of the 2018 uh, semifinals against the Houston Rockets, who we've dominated throughout the course of these five, the five-year stretch that I chose to focus on. That game was won 101 to 92. That was a game seven. Again, just a dominant performance against a team that really went out of their way to try to recruit and build a team to thwart our efforts to the finals, but never seemed to really put it together. They got close. In this series, this was the closest they ever got. But uh, even then, it fell short, but it was good enough for a Game 7. It was just a terrific series. Number 9 was the June 11, 2017, 2015 game. That was Game 4 in the first championship run uh, for the Golden State Warriors. And the reason why I chose that game was because it was we were down 2-1, to one, and Andre Iguodala was then placed on LeBron James and 20 point he held LeBron James to 20 points which for LeBron James is extremely significant that's usually about less than half of what he puts up on any given night so for Iggy to really cut him down below that really kind of it tied the series up and would you know would be a significant performance in getting the first championship run and then the May 22nd, 2017 game, that was against San Antonio. That was game four. That was a 129-115 victory. Again, this was a statement game against a team that really I knew that they didn't have a shot in this series when the matchup first came up because this was just a San Antonio Spurs team that was terrific at, you know, good enough to keep the system going of Popovich's of Popovich and to make the playoffs, but just not the same team. I mean, uh, Parker was a shell of himself. Manu Ginobili was a shell of himself. I think, um, what's his name, had already retired. Duncan. So, yeah, Duncan was already gone. So this is just was not the same team. But again, this was a dominant performance. This was a team that knocked us out of the playoffs, you know, one or two, uh, the year before we had gone to our first uh, finals. So there was definitely a little bit of, you know, I think there was a little bit of heat there. But, um, but we certainly... Just another dominant series, uh, game four there. And that was just kind of what stood out to me. Just uh, a, a lot of, there's going to be a lot of closing games I have on my list. But um, but yeah, that's why I chose those four games. Just the, uh, the the time period, the signification of that time period and what it meant going forward for each team, for each version of the, of, of the Warriors. What about you, Rudy? Nice. So I like that Raymond and I have one of the same games, um, one of the exact same games, just at different levels on this list. The uh, Ray also that um, that Iggy game, that was uh, that's a great game. 
that Iggy game against LeBron. That game is huge, and I really like that it made your list. That's a good one. Um, so that number 11, 2013, April 23rd, 2013, round one, game two at Denver. Warriors, it's their first playoff win with this team, and really it is the beginning of, of what is going to be one of the most dominating dynasties in NBA history. And it really comes down to this game. They lose that first game. And I don't know if you guys remember, everyone's kind of talking about the Warriors being a little soft. Maybe they don't have what it takes. You know, maybe, you know, they, they had a good run, but, you know, Denver's got this. And then they come back and they take that series. And it really starts with this first game, round one, game two at Denver. Warriors winning their first playoff game. Steph Curry, 30 points, 13 assists. And that's why I put that one at number 11. Number 10. 2018, October 29, 2018, game eight of the regular season versus the Bulls. Clay sets a record for most three pointers in a game with 14. Final score 149, 124. Uh, so, so, as we kind of mentioned, there's so many great playoff moments, but I really, there were some major significant regular season moments that I thought had to be on here. And Clay's, Clay's um, 14 threes. That just that, from the moment I sat down to create this list, I was like, "That's got to be on there. It's got to be on there." Maybe it doesn't rank as some of the as some of my the, my big ones at the very end, but that game's got to be on here. And so I put that one at number ten, number nine, October thirty first, twenty fifteen, game three of the regular season. Same reasons you did, Raymond. This is the beginning of Steph's uh, his uh, unanimous MVP run, and how can you deny the 53 points? And, I mean, I can't, you said it You said it perfectly. I have nothing to add, and that's why I ranked it just a little bit higher at number 9. And then number 8, December 16, 2016, game 21 of the regular season versus the Pacers. As 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 we've talked about before, Clay had a little something to do with this one too. Dropped sixty points in twenty nine minutes. Final score one forty two to one hundred six. Uh, those those two dominant performances by Clay. I'll just guys give you a spoiler. It's not the last time we're going to see some dominant performances from Clay. You know the thing I love about Clay is that he's so selfless. But when Clay decides that he is going to win this game, there is nothing anyone can do. And he, and when he does it, he does it at such a level. I mean, it's like it's like it's so funny because Clay will just sit back. He'll let Steph do. He'll let Steph take all the glory. He'll let he'll let KD take the glory. But then every now and then the chips are down, and then Clay goes, "All right, everyone, move out the way because I'm about to drop a nuclear bomb." And every time he does it, he does it in the most grandiose of fashion, and then quietly kind of goes back goes back to the rest of the team. It's amazing. And I every there there's uh, there's several other games on here where where Clay does that, and I. I love when Clay just decides it's over. I'm taking over, and uh, this is this is a done deal. And so that's why I have those games. Uh, first playoff get win, some major regular season performances, and then uh, and then we'll go from there. Uh, but Candlestick will uh, defend your list. So at number eleven, um, with uh, one of the most winning franchises in NBA history, I started with a loss. Um, so February 27, 2013, at Madison Square Garden, Steph drops 54 points on the Knicks. They lose 109-105, but Steph hits 11 threes, went 11 for 13. So essentially every single time he shot a three, he made it. And just the, the when we're talking about, you know, significance, Steph Curry getting, you know, 
essentially, you know, MVP level attention from the, the Madison Square Garden crowd, which is one of the more knowledgeable crowds in basketball history. Um, that, that, I mean, that's when Jordan dropped 50 in the garden, you know, when, when players do that, it's a significant part of NBA lore to have a big game in Madison Square Garden. And, you know, Steph went 18 for 28 that night. Um, just to give you an idea how by himself he was, Clay Thompson had six points. Draymond Green had four points in that game. Only two other guys had double figures. Carl Landry and Jarrett Jack had 15 and 14. So Steph was literally all by himself. Um, but to drop 54 in the garden, um, you know, in what's essentially – I mean, because of all his injuries, it was only like his second or third full season and just basically announced to the world that he was there and he was he was going to be a part of the NBA for a while. Um, So I think that 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 game is way bigger than a lot of the wins they had um, over this last decade for what the for the impact it had on the league. Um, For number 10, I have the two Clay Thompson games. The. and also his 37 points in a quarter against the Kings. Um, the Kings game, he had 52 points, um, ended up with 11 threes. In the Pacer game, he only hit eight threes, even though he scored 60 points. Um, what I really like about that game, actually, is so Clay Thompson had a plus 38, uh, plus minus. In the Kings game, had a plus 37 in the Pacers game. Steph Curry, though, 10 points, 11 assists, and a plus 20 in the Kings game. 13 points, 11 assists, 13 points, 11 assists, and a plus 24 in the Pacer game. So basically, Steph Curry just kind of sat back and, and let Clay shine. And I think that's what separates these Warrior teams from a lot of other great teams is that when one guy's hot, they just let him stay hot. And they feed him the ball. They make sure he gets, you know, gets the rock. The Kings game, they, or I'm sorry, the Pacer game, the Warriors had 45 assists in that game. So, I mean, it was just one of the most inc- one of the most incredible games they've ever played, 142 to 106. Um, and Clay didn't even play the fourth quarter. Uh, number nine, uh, April 23rd, 2015 in, in New Orleans. Um, the game three, they're up 2-0 uh, on the Pelicans. They're about to lose game three, and Steph hits a, a three-point shot in the corner. After missing a shot, Mo Spates gets the rebound, gets it back to Steph. Three guys fall on him. Um, they don't blow the whistle because referees are terrible. And he hits the three. Um, the referees literally said after the game that had he missed, they would have called a foul, which makes zero sense, but whatever. Um, Steph had 40 points that night, seven threes. Um, Clay had 28 points. Draymond had 17 rebounds. Hit Draymond's defense on Anthony Davis was was tremendous, even though uh, Davis had 29 points. Um, it, what, he he had 29 points and had a, a negative plus minus. Um, so, you know, just to give you an idea, the impact that Draymond had um, on both sides of the, on both sides of the ball. And then for number eight, I have the two uh, Kevin Durant dagger games, uh, June 7th, 2017 um, Warriors up two games and nothing. They go up three Oh on uh, LeBron and the Cavs as Durant hits a shot right in, in LeBron's face. Then uh, one day short of exactly one year later, on June 6, 2018, uh, Durant does the exact same thing from essentially the exact same spot. Um, 45 seconds left in 2017, he hits a 26-footer 
when the Warriors were down by two, it was 113-111. So his three-pointer put him up by one. Then a year later, with 49 seconds left, he hits a 32-footer from basically the same part of the floor. Um, the Warriors were up 103-100 when he took that shot and ended up uh, going up 106-100. So the, those those two shots, um, those two daggers are, you know, I, I can't decide which one's better, so they're they're equal in my book. Um, KD had 31-9-4 and four in 2017 for that game, and KD had 43-13-7 and seven in that 2018 game. Um, just the most efficient scorer we've ever seen. Had 13 in the first quarter, 11 in the second, 10 in the third, and 9 in the fourth. Um, just incredible performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and if you really hit something, and I think it, it bears worth repeating, the thing about the Warriors team that's always separated the LeBron teams, even some of the Kobe era teams, is that the Warriors live and die as a team. You know, it's never been, it's, it's you know, when, when, uh, when a LeBron team does great, it's because LeBron. And when LeBron, and a LeBron team does bad, it's because the rest of the guys. You know, and the Warriors, it's always the Warriors. They live and die as a team. And uh, even with KD uh, as a part of the squad, it's always been that way. And there's a selflessness to the Warriors that you just rarely see in in NBA. And I think it's probably the thing that makes it's the most commendable. And it is it is probably their most powerful asset and why it's, why they have been so successful in this era. Absolutely. So where we got uh, seven through four, Ray? So number seven, I chose game five, May 27th, 2015, Golden State versus the Houston Rockets. For number six, I chose the May 31st, 2018 game, game one versus Cleveland. And for number five, I chose June 6, 2018, Golden State versus Cleveland. That was game three. And number four, I chose June 12th, 2017, Golden State versus Cleveland, game five of the, sorry, the, the, the finals. These are all the finals here, except for uh, the, uh, the Houston game is not the finals. Yeah, Houston hasn't been in the finals in a very long time. <laughs> what about you, Rudy? <laughs> All right. So, number seven, April 13th, 2016, the 82nd game of the season. Uh, number six, May 8th, 2013, conference semifinals, game two versus the Spurs. Number five, May 28th, 2016, Western Conference Finals, Game 6, Warriors at the Thunder. And then number four, uh, Western Conference Finals, Game 6, 2018, versus Houston. And what about you, Kenosuk Will? What are are your, what's seven through four? So for number seven, I've got a tie. There's a few more ties coming. So for number se- for number seven, I got to tie the <laughs> June eleventh, twenty fifteen, and June sixteenth, twenty fifteen games four and six against the C- Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, for number six, I've got the April twenty eighth, twenty thirteen, and May sixth, twenty thirteen, um, from the divisional and semis uh, in twenty thirteen. For number five, I have uh, May eighth, twenty thirteen, at San Antonio. Um, so almost the same as you, Rudy. And then number four, uh, is another tie, uh, May 26, 2018 and May 28, 2018, uh, against the Rockets Western Conference Finals game six and seven. 
No, oh, nice. Well, we 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 got pretty close on that one too. All of us got pretty close on that. So, one. So, uh, break it down for us, Ray. All right. So number seven, I chose the game five against the Rockets, just because again, this is a closeout game against a team that just, no matter what, they just cannot seem to get past the Warriors, and I take. A lot of pleasure in knowing <laughs> that this team cannot get past the Warriors no matter what they did, no matter how hard they tried. Although, I mean, this was uh, 2015, so this was before they they brought Chris Paul over and before they kind of reconstructed the team to, to you know, quote-unquote, beat the Warrior, the Warrior Killer team. And it, uh, But uh, this was back when, they, when people were saying, oh, this is a great rivalry. And I remember, uh, I believe it was... Uh, the beard, the beard himself, who said, "You know, it's not a rivalry if we keep losing," um, which is which is very true. And if you look at the the head to head matchup against this team, it's really, you know, it's it's extremely lopsided. So even though it's always a fun matchup to watch, it, it, I mean, it's it's double double the fun for someone like me because the Warriors mostly win majority of the time. So, and uh, that was just a. Again, another statement game to me, in my opinion, a dominant performance in what was a dominant season. Green, Barnes, Bogut, Curry. I mean, this was the uh, the original group that played beautiful basketball. Thompson, Curry, and Barnes actually, you know, were all 20 points or above in that game. They all played terrific basketball. And uh, they uh, Curry had five steals in that game. It was just, um, just an, again, just a really, uh, just, I love seeing closeout games Harden had only 14 points that game he was not even you know he wasn't there Dwight Howard had more points than him and Dwight Howard is hold on Raymond are you saying you saying James Harden didn't show up for a closeout game yeah that's weird (laughs) oh oh for three from from deep yeah just a big shocker there and then uh, the May 31st the 2018 Golden State versus Cleveland, that was a 124-114 victory in a game one of what would be the most dominant series of the entire Warriors era. And who better to accomplish that than against the, uh, the I, I can't stand this player, but uh, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So again, I chose this game because the significance, what it meant, who the opponent was, this was, you know, once, uh, you know, Kevin Love, LeBron, Tristan Thompson, all those guys. And uh, this was, uh, I believe, I'm not sure. I think um, Kyrie Irving was not available. Either or he wasn't available or he left. I can't remember. But The, 20, uh, the 2018 game? Yes. Oh, you mean cause he, because they traded him, you mean? Yeah. Was he was he with the team? Was he injured or was he already he already he was gone. Yeah, because okay. he, he had been he had been traded. Yeah, he'd already he had been already been traded, been traded for Isaiah Thomas, and then Thomas got moved as well. Right. And again, yeah, this, this was, was just... this was the uh, infamous J.R. Smith game. Yes. And LeBron dropping fifty-one, and then going oh, going or scoring two points at the very end of the overtime. Yes, and it was an overtime game. Yes, that's correct. Uh, that was the other part of it too. It was an overtime game. And it was an exciting game, but what really stood out to me was the fact that even 
Cleveland that was Cleveland's best punch. And their best punch was good enough to get them to overtime and still lose. So to me that was a big deal because that was like that was the beginning of the end of the series for me. I was like if I was like to me this is a demoralizing loss because they know they knew the challenge that was up against the, that they were up against during this the series particularly because the Warriors had retooled with Kevin Durant and they knew what ta- what this was going to be a tall task because they were not the same team that won a couple years before and so the, the whole idea here was that it, it, this was a game where the Warriors were rightfully so favored to win this game and and even though it was an exciting game and LeBron James put the entire team on his back it was a 50 point 51 point loss uh lost effort um which was great to see i'm like yes you you did great and but the 51 points means absolutely nothing when you lose in a finals game and that's what that game meant to me it was a big statement game and it was the beginning of the end to me i after that game i was like there's no way they they can win another game because this was their best punch that this that took a lot of energy for them just to just to get to overtime let alone lose it um, and then uh, the May 31st, 2018, or I'm sorry, the June 6, 2018 game versus Cleveland. So again, this is uh, this is game three of that same series. This is the 110-102 victory. This is uh, the, the Warriors go up 3-0 in this series. Kevin Durant in particular had a very stellar performance with the, uh, with, I believe he dropped 43 points. During that game, he was uh, six of nine from three. He was just so clutch, such an unstoppable force. Everyone else, I think, Clay had ten points. Draymond had ten points. Curry had eleven points. Javale McGee had ten points. Although that was pretty good for Javale McGee. And uh, I think uh, Jordan Bell had ten in that one. And then Iggy had eight off the bench. And Sean Livingston dropped eight off the bench. Um, my, two of my two of my favorite bench players on this team was Iggy and Livingston. But um, Ray, what? And that was hold on. That was your number five, right? No, no, no. Six. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's number five. And then where did that land for you, Candlestickwell? The te- Kevin Durant dagger games were um, tied for eight eight with me. Oh, and, okay, they were at eight. Okay, okay, got it. I just wanted to see yeah, where this, these all ended up. This was the game three, okay. the Kevin Durant game. Where where everyone else kind of chipped in eight or ten points, but Durant said, "No, I'm going to times that by four, and do this all myself." <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, the big one for me. And uh, and then uh, June twelfth, twenty seventeen, that was again um, Cleveland Cavaliers against the Warriors, and this was uh, again this is a whew, this was a um, this was a, the year before. And this is, uh, again, just another dominant performance by a very dominant team. This was another Kevin. This was a Kevin Durant-Steph Curry dynamic duo game where Durant dropped 39, Curry dropped 34. Clay, you know, did did about a third of that. And uh, Iguodala dropped 20 off the bench. That was a huge one in that game. But... um. That to me was just the uh, this was the the season where they were sixty seven and fifteen. They were thirty six and five at home that year. They were just so dominant, and this was a home game. And I just didn't think to me it was like again a closeout game where 
It's like this team they won they won the game before, but it's like no, I just this is a three one victory. This is not going to turn into some crazy. Not with Kevin Durant on this team, he's not that. the The loss was just like a slip up because the Warriors have this weird thing where, for some reason, they get complacent, and usually in Game Fours, they they always let a Game Four slip away from them. And there's there's multiple examples that I could point to, but for the sake of time, I'll just say that the Warriors have this little bit of complacency in them where they get a little bit cheeky, and they tend to let a Game Four close out slip away, and it pushes it to Game Five. And this was a series where they let a game four slip by them or and then had to go to game five. But then in game five, you know, just really kind of turned it up. Even though Cleveland won the first quarter, Golden State bounced back to win the next quarter, 38 to 23. And then Cleveland bounced back and beat them in the third quarter, 32 to 27. But then Golden State bounced back right again. This was actually a nice back and forth game. But they came back to win 30, 31 to 20, 27 in the fourth quarter to close out the game and get another ring. And so, but let's not forget, let's sorry, not to cut you off at the end there. Let's not forget the very, very suspect officiating in that first quarter. How many fouls was it? Was it 21 fouls in the first quarter that they called? It was something I can't insane. Remember, yeah. I remember vague, that? Vaguely. It was an ins- do you, do you remember Candlestick well how many fouls they called in that first quarter? It was in insane. The 20, in the 2017 game. It was some in yeah, in the yeah, in uh yes, in the first quarter, game four in Cleveland, and like the refs just go on to the Warriors. They just couldn't breathe. They wouldn't let them do anything. They couldn't even look at the Cavs wrong without it without getting called a uh, uh, foul for it. It was something like Oh yeah, the the game the you're talking about game four that they lost, one thirty seven, one sixteen. Mm-hmm. That game, well, because Raymond was talking about Game Four, how they had problems with that, and he, you know, he was talking about that. Twenty-seven fouls. There's twenty-seven. I, th- I knew. It, I know it's somewhere in there. I thought it was twenty-one. Two, three, it, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Wait, it only says twelve. Why does it say twenty-seven? Because I'm looking at ba- Basketball Reference right now. Yeah, I, I thought like, it was twenty-one. So if you're saying twenty-seven, well, but it's no, no, it says because it's weird because if you literally just add them up, so like Draymond had two. Curry had two, Thompson had two, which though that's more significant, and, and and Iguodala had two. So four, your four of your five best players are in foul trouble in the first quarter. Um, but that's eight, and then Durant had one, is nine. Pachulia had one, is ten. Livingston had one, is um, eleven, and McGee had one, that's twelve. But then on the bottom here is his team totals. Oh, I guess that's so they had twenty-seven fouls for the game. Okay, all right. So in the but they had twelve fouls in just in just the first quarter. Okay, I flipped the numbers. I said twenty one. Then twelve. Well, but see, so twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. eighteen fouls by halftime. It was insane. That was if there was ever like a um, clearly the refs the the refs have been told to stretch this to another game. It was it was one that game. That game was so obvious what was happening, and I I don't don't you you can't even tell me for one second that that was not. Uh, designed to be the way that was. That also, Raymond, that was the Cavalier Chris year, the infamous Cavalier Chris, the guy that I met at the at the bar that was a, a kind of a uh, a uh, someone we talked about for for weeks on the on the on the Goldcast. Remember that Cavalier Chris? Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, that was the Cavalier Chris year. Uh, so, Candlestick Will, this is this is pre your time. There was this guy Cavalier Chris who 
we man we we he was he was he was coming into my bar we got along like gangbusters super cool guy he had a big crush on the girl i was working with and it was just like him and i just got along and i was like this, this i just him was chris at the time chris was cool and then on day one of the finals he comes in to the restaurant rocking a cavalier shirt <laughs> And I looked at him and and I was like, You're you're a Cavs fan? And he's like, Yeah, man, I'm super pumped. I'm so excited, da da da. And he goes, Why, why who's your team? And I looked at him, I was like, Well, I'm from San Francisco. <laughs> and he looked at me and like you just saw the color go out of his face. And he just looked at me and was like, Oh. And I was like, Oh. And it was like that moment. That moment, like when a Montague re- realizes he's talking to a Capulet, <laughs> or, a, or a Jet realizes that this guy's a shark, and I was like, "Oh, oh, we're and then and then it went from from so cordial from like three weeks or four weeks of us being so cordial to just us arguing about both the teams and us going head to head and being like, you really think you're going to beat us? He's like, I think we're going to sweep you. You're going to sweep the Warriors? What about you? I said, we're going to get you in five. Get you in five. You guys are so delusional. We went in on each other, just in. And I never, here's the best part. The best part is remember the last thing I said to him. I said, well, Chris, you know what the best part about all this debating is? And he goes, what? I goes, one of us is wrong. <laughs> one of us is going to be wrong. By the end of this series, someone is going to be wrong. And that's what I love is that one of us right now already is wrong. And we're going to find out. He goes, oh, we are going to find out. I said, we're going to find out. And he left. He didn't even stay for the game. And I never saw him again. He never came back in. <laughs> never. I never saw Cavalier Chris again. But we talked about him for that entire uh, run the entire uh, NBA Finals run. The infamous Cavalier Chris, who who I never, never saw again. To this day, I've never seen him again. That was that was it. But Raymond, you just reminded me of of Cavalier Chris with that story, with all those stories right there. That was good. Yeah, for sure. All right, Rudy, then, what do you got? Um, yeah, that, oh, I'm that sorry, was my I did, did. That was I, my did, fourth. Did, no, 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 that was my. Oh, fourth. that was your fourth. Okay, yeah. so Rudy, what do you got? All right, here we go. Uh, so at number seven, April 13, 2016, the 82nd game of the season, Warriors versus Memphis. Warriors win their 73rd game, thus beating the Bulls' 72nd win season. Final score, 125 to 104. I will be the first to admit that I was adamantly against the chase of this record, and I do think that it um, it it exhausted them to a level that I do think had a significant impact on that playoff run. I think if they treated that game that season like a regular season, I think we'd probably be talking about the 4 and 1 Warriors in in NBA playoff appearances. But having said that, when the Warriors did it, this is one of the craziest, most exciting moments and probably the most exciting moment of that season possibly. I'm trying to see if I got any other games. I do have one game ahead of that, but um it was a, it was an amazing game and an incredible it 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 did solidify and legitimized a team that in those first two years was criticized and doubted and there was a lot of doubt and there was a lot of doubt and the warriors came back in that second season after winning the championship and really made a statement and to go and and take 
the Bulls' 72-win season away from them and win 73. I'm not sure if we'll ever see it again. I'm not sure. Um, But it was a magical run. I was nervous. I was kind of against it. But when we did it, when it finally happened, it was the elation was pretty amazing. And it it was an incredible game and definitely deserved to be on the list. And for me personally, I put it at number seven. Uh, but it was a great game. Number six, May 8th, 2013, uh, the conference semis, game two versus the Spurs. This was the game. Similar to beating Denver in the first round, which was my number 11, we come all the way down here to number six. And this game against the Spurs was so pivotal. It's really what it really was about. It was about beating the Spurs. They had not beat the Spurs in the regular season or the postseason since 1997. And to do it for their first time in the in the conference finals against this is the Spurs. This is peak Spurs. This is not this isn't, you know, Spurs coming in later on. This is the team that would go on and go on and when when they won their final their final um, NBA finals with with that court that we already talked about, Kawhi, Duncan, all those guys, Manu Ginobili, Parker, when they did it, it was by the largest margin a team had ever beat another team. And that was the peak Miami Heat team, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James. So this is not... This is, I know, Raymond, you talked about a dying Spurs. I'm actually, I was going the op, I'm going on the opposite direction. We are talking peak Spurs. We are talking nastiest Spurs that you can think of. Uh, Spurs that uh, I love. I love this Spurs team. I love the Spurs era. They were, every year, they were kind of like the team that I thought if anyone has a chance of taking out the Heat, it's going to be the Spurs. And so I was. They, they played beautiful basketball before the Warriors reinvented what beautiful basketball looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this win was so pivotal in the development of this team. And this is really why this is really why the 2013 round one game against Denver was so important. And then this game here against the Spurs was so important. Both of them game twos and both of them coming back from losing game one. So to win these games, it started to build the grit and the fight and the the what happened in very small doses here in 2013 would become the staple of this team especially when they had to go against those thunders teams and those rockets teams that pushed them to the brink and they really kind of had to pull the season out of their ass and really come together and deny those teams it really started here and that's why i put that game at my number six, just for how important it was. I, I could see some people thinking maybe well, you're going to put that over the 82nd win game, uh, you know, the, the 73rd win game of the season, but there is no 73rd win game without this game. This game was so pivotal in the development of the of the Warriors, and that's why I put it a little ahead. Now at number five, May, tw- May 28, 2016, the Western Conference Finals, game six, Warriors at the Thunder, Clay saves the dynasty part one. <laughs> Clay drops 40, uh, 41 points, but he scores 19 points in the fourth to force a game seven. Warriors go on to close out game seven. But this is, again, another one of those magical Clay games. 19 points in the fourth alone. That gets me hyped just talking about it. All right, number four Western Conference Finals. Game 6, 2018, versus, the Houston, versus Houston, Clay saves the dynasty, part 2. 
Uh, final score, 115 to 86. Clay with 35 points. I put these two back-to-back. Uh, again, Magic Clay. You know, Game 6 Clay is a real thing. We've all seen it before. It is no joke. There, game 6 Clay is a, re- is a real thing, and the stats prove it. And I put these two back-to-back as just not only being – I remember sitting for both these two series. You can you can you can almost put them back, you know, side by side. I remember both these games being on the edge of my seat, and I remember feeling the same way I felt. I believe it was in the 2012 uh, season of the Giants um, when they were facing elimination. Just thinking. I, I, I know we can do this. I just don't know if we can. And these games were so exciting, just nail biters. And Clay coming through in the way he did in both these games. I mean, there's there not only some of these games. I think I put them put them even ahead of those other games is because they're probably some of my all time favorite Warriors games and some of the greatest games they played. Just backs against the walls, season on the line. Everything is there. There's, you know, this is it. If this, if they lose, they are done and they are going home. And this is this dynasty is over. And so for Clay to pull both those ones out, even though we didn't take 2016, I just thought both these games were so exciting and so pivotal. And um, yeah, those are my uh, those are my seven through four. So Candlestick will defend your seven through four. All right. So uh, for number seven, I have the game four and game six of the 2015 finals against the Cavs. Uh, Two games. On, yeah. So game four was the first game that Andre started, and then game six was the game was the was their you know the end of their first championship. Um, and that was Raymond. That was your number nine. Was the, that game where Iggy started? Yeah, and, yeah, and shut down LeBron. Mm-hmm. And what, what I Huge what I game. think was interesting about that is that you know for I think when you when you look back, it's obvious that Steph Curry deserved the MVP um, for that Finals. But you know, uh, Iguodala was incredible. Um, and to prove it, Andre Iguodala in Game Four had twenty two points in thirty nine minutes. Went four for nine from three. Steph in 41 minutes had 22 points and was four for seven from three, so their their numbers were almost identical. Um, and then in Game Six, Iguodala played 36 minutes, 25 points, three of eight from three. Steph Curry in over over 43 minutes, 25 points, three of 11 from three. So I think when when people were looking at the numbers and then the way Iguodala was playing defense on LeBron and making it difficult for him, that that combination is why Iguodala ended up getting the Finals MVP. A couple of a couple of side notes in that game. Uh, Sean Livingston was a plus twenty five in Game Four. Um, I think people are just have always underrated how valuable he was to the the dynasty. And then Draymond Green had a triple double in Game Six: sixteen points, ten rebounds, ten assists. Um, was just incredible in that game. Uh, for number six, I have um, April twenty eighth, twenty thirteen, and May sixth, twenty thirteen. So I actually have this is the second loss I have on my top eleven. Um, because in both of these games, Steph Curry dropped 22 points in the third quarter. Um, in the Nuggets game, it was the um, it put them up 3-1 in the series. Um, in that first in that first playoff series of Steph's career, he had 31 points in the game on 10 of 16 shooting, six of 11 from three. But in that third quarter, he had 22 points on eight of 11 shooting and five of eight from three. And then the other game, so now he's in San Antonio. They are um, ready to face the Spurs in San Antonio, and they lose in double overtime. And Steph Curry dropped 44 points, 
was in that third in that yeah. third quarter had 22 points, nine of 12 shooting, four of six from three. The Warriors led for 50 minutes that game um, in that double overtime game. The um, essentially it's not, not I rounded around, but with 3:57 to go in regulation, the Warriors were up 104 to 88. Duncan goes to the locker room because he's hurt. They 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 figured the game was over. Then the Warriors completely stop scoring. Um, literally only score two more points the rest the rest of the game and ends up being 106 106 at the end of regulation. So Duncan is actually jogging back from the locker room to come back into the game at the end of the game. So it was just it was a demoralizing loss. But what Steph Curry did in those two series, in those two games, in those two rounds was cement his um, place in the NBA that he was going to be someone to reckon with. And the combination of that 54-point game that was earlier on my list in, in the Garden, and then these playoff performances in um, at home against Denver and then at the Spurs, um, to me, are as significant as almost any other game that happened in these 10 years as far as what Steph Curry could do on the floor and what Steph Curry was going to be doing for several years on the floor going forward. So... That's why I have those games. It's number six. Then number five is two nights later, the game you mentioned, um, at San Antonio, first road win since 1997. Um, what gets lost in that game, um, because no one really remembers the stats, they just remember the fact they finally beat San Antonio. Clay Thompson, 34 points, 14 rebounds. In, 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 so f- and, he, and, he played, and he played 46 minutes. So just to give you an idea of how... How not de- how not deep <laughs> the Warriors were in 2013. That Clay Thompson played 46 minutes and just had an amazing game. Steph had 22 in that game, but they won in San Antonio. They beat Tim Duncan in San Antonio for the first time in his career. They had never beaten Tim Duncan in San Antonio before. So to do it on you know on the road, obviously, but to do it in the playoffs um, among everything else is pretty impressive. And then for. No- I like that you and I both recognize how important that that Denver and that Spurs series back to back that really that's really where they got their reps and that really it is it was the turning point for the franchise and it really was the beginning of this team and I agree with you like like the, it cannot be underestimated um how important those two series were for the Warriors back in the right before the dynasty. That was everything. It, that that shaped everything. For no, them. and they were a six seed, so they weren't supposed to beat you know an incredibly good Denver team, and they they thumped them. And then they lose in double overtime in a game they should have won by fifteen, um, in you know in San Antonio. And then that series goes six, so they could have easily beaten a much better Spurs team. Um, you know, the Warriors didn't have the same, they weren't equal as far as talent. They weren't equal as far as depth. And yet they were absolutely right with the Spurs in that series. So that to, to your point, it showed them that, no, we can, we can do something here. You know, this is a team we can build around and build upon. So yeah, it absolutely set the stage for what was to come. And then for number four, I have the game six and game seven of the 2018 Western conference finals, um, Rockets being just just going full rocket and up 39-22 after the first quarter in game six. They were up by 10-61-51 at halftime. The second half score was 64-25 Warriors. 
Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry combined for 46 of the 64 points. They completely shut uh, Harden and the Rockets down. The, the Harden had 10 points in that second half. The rest of the Rockets had 15 points. Um, just a complete embarrassment um, that the Rockets just got completely thumped in the second half when they were dominating to start the game. And then Game 7, even after that um, debacle, the Rockets were up 54-43 to in Game 7, but that was the famous 0-for-27 from 3 game, and the Warriors go to the finals once again because the Rockets because the Rockets do not know how to win playoff series with James Harden. Um, so, yeah. No, and that's also our first tie, Candlestick. Well, you and I tied right there because we both had game six of that of that Western Conference Finals at number four. You had game seven, but we both had game six on that at that same spot. Yeah, so uh, what about honorable mentions, guys? What do you have for other games worth considering? Um, you know, I don't have a very robust list, but... Um... And in fact, you already mentioned it as being on your list, the Clay Thompson 37 points in a single quarter, the third quarter against the Sacramento Kings over there. Um, that was a terrific performance by Clay, the most understated player on the team. You know, you never know when a Clay game is going to come because it's not like they go out and decide, you know, it's not like Clay grabs everyone and says, hey, today's my night. You know, it just kind of happens organically. And but when it does happen, Clay gets Clay gets so ridiculously white hot that the team and the team when the team knows it, they just feed him and he just goes off. The other honorable mention is um, once again Clay Thompson. That was uh, when he played the Knicks and scored forty three points and only dribbled the ball four times. Um, again, <laughs> Clay Thompson has this really unique knack for when he goes off there's just these unique circumstance statistics that surround his performance you know the uh the 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 37 in a single quarter that's crazy the 43 points on four dribbles that's crazy he's had a few games where he scored a i think when he scored 60 he dribbled like 11 times in that one i could be wrong i could be mixing up stats but um clay thompson you know outside of curry clay is really my favorite player just because he's so understated and he's very humble and he just wants to win. He's, he's just as selfless as Curry, only he's, he's even more modest than Curry is. And, and before Curry won the MVPs, Curry was a bit on the modest side too. But then, you know, you could see a little bit more flair come out once he started to gain confidence and be more comfortable um, in, in, within this, you know, kind of front spotlight NBA player role that he has, you know, you know, kind of having similar spotlight to players like Kobe and uh, LeBron. And so, but Clay, uh, Clay's just very, very, I don't know. He's just an awesome player. Even though we lost in the last championship run, the, when, when Clay was starting to show game six, Clay, and he walked back out after hurting his leg and what, what ended up being a tear you know, walking back out to make those those final two free throw shots was just like you know the the heart of a champion. I couldn't say any, I couldn't be any more, you know, just wow, just what a performance from Clay Thompson. And so uh, that was just to me. I just had a, a couple of Clay games in there. I wanted to keep it short and sweet just uh, because I'm um, really kind of eager to get to my top three. What about you, Rudy? Uh, same, short and sweet. Uh, number four the 2016 
playoff run that ended in, in uh, uh, the Cavaliers uh, infamously coming back from 3-1 and taking the series from us. The number three 2019 run, um, Steph Curry and his kooky quartet losing to um, the Toronto Raptors. And then number three, number two, Ray, similar, Clay's 37 points against the Kings. And then number one, Iggy versus LeBron in the 2015 finals. That that's those are the those are the four. I don't know which one of number three and four pissed me off more. Losing to LeBron when we had him by the balls, or 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 his whole manipulation of Draymond to get him ejected and out of game five. Uh, I'm not sure what about that. That run just infuriates me. Or um the 2019 Toronto Raptors. Uh, acting like they had the biggest dicks in the world when literally they, literally everyone had to be taken out for them to win that series because they weren't actually capable of even touching us even with Kawhi. they would not they would have been done in five had 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 the whole team been uh, fully healthy. I'm not sure which one of those I find more, more infuriating. But uh, they they haunt me to this day. But I still put them on honorable mentions because I you know I even know a couple of those games in 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 the top eleven here that they're uh, you know they still were pretty epic runs by the Warriors uh, despite not being able to close it out. What about you? So I have a so I have a few. Um, I wanted to shout out some regular season games. Um, so December third, twenty thirteen, against the Raptors, Warriors were down twenty seven in the third quarter um, with nine twenty left in the third. They were losing seventy five to forty eight. They ended up winning 112 to 103. In the last 21 minutes of the game, they scored, they outscored the Raptors 70 to 28. Um, and the fact that they could be down 27 and come back and win convincingly um, was just a way of showing the world that Clay Thompson and Steph Curry were going to be a force. Um, so I think that game really stands out. The December 11th, 2015 game, it was the. Double overtime win against the Celtics in Boston. Clay Thompson was hurt and didn't play. They were 23-0 and and had every reason in Boston on the road to just pack it in, let the, let the streak die, and, you know, prepare for the next night. And to your point about, you know, not going for the record of 73, this, this could have easily been a game where they arrested some guys and just relaxed. And instead they played it like it was a playoff game. And in double overtime, they beat the Celtics. Um, Steph had 38. Draymond, Draymond had 24, 11, and 8. Um, so just, you know, it, that, that game to me did a couple things. It showed the NBA that the Warriors were just going to do whatever they can to win every single game, literally. And then it was the, the seal on what would be the greatest regular season of NBA viewing in my lifetime. In, even with the Bulls, because the Bulls we didn't get to see very often, because back then you didn't get to watch every single game. But every single game, all 82 games were must-see TV, and that 24-0 and um, you know, record is one of the reasons that everyone in the league made an NBA League Pass subscription uh, you know, mandatory. Um, and then uh, similarly, a year earlier, uh, almost exactly a year earlier, on December 14, 2014, in New Orleans, they were 21 and two, or they were 20 and two, had a 15-game win streak, and they beat New Orleans in New Orleans in overtime, 128-122, um, to, ex- to extend their win streak to 16 games and start that season 21 and two. I think a lot of times, because of the 73 win season, people completely forget how dominant that 
um, 2015 team was because they were 67 and 15, but they started the year 21 and two. And to do that, uh, finishing off that 16 game win streak with a, a 128-122 overtime win against the New Orleans uh, Pelicans um, in uh, in New Orleans, it was a pretty significant one. Steph had 34, Clay had 29, so just a signature game for the Splash Brothers. And then my other two were were ones that you'd already mentioned: the, the 73rd win against the Grizzlies and Clay Thompson's 14 threes against the Bulls, 149-124, just shellacking of Chicago. My favorite stat from that game is not actually Clay Thompson's 14 threes, but that uh, Kevin Durant had 14 points, but had a plus 45 on his plus minus um, for that game. So that's just stupid. Um, and then just a shout out to the 75 playoff wins that I'm not going to mention in my top 11. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the a couple of things I just want to mention about all these playoff runs. So they, they had 23 playoff series in the 2010s. They went 19-4 and four in those 23 playoff series. The four they lost were taking the Spurs to six, taking the Clippers to seven, taking the Cavs to seven in the finals, and taking the Raptors to six in the finals. So in those 23 series, they won at least two games every single time. They won a playoff game on the road every single time. And they... They only lost four, and two of them were in the finals. So, I mean, this seven-year run is completely bonkers when you look at it from those kind of perspectives. That seven, the 2017 season where they went 16-1, and one, that was just insane. We already kind of alluded to the fact that the one loss was because of um, how many, you know, four of the five best players getting in foul trouble in the first quarter, and then just, you know, the, the just, you know, no no reason to can completely fight when you're down by 30 or whatever it was in that game. Um, the last thing I want to mention though, before we get to our top three is the first three seasons of this decade. So the 09, 10 season, the 10, 11 and 11, 12, those are the first three seasons of Steph Curry's career. The Warriors won 26 games, 36 games and 23 games. So that's a total of 85 wins in the first three seasons of Steph Curry's career. Um, the Warriors won 86 playoff games this decade in those in these last seven years. So they won more playoff. They have more playoff wins than they had regular season wins in three years in the start of this decade. So to start this decade with 85 regular season wins in three seasons, and to end up as the baby maybe the greatest team we've ever seen is ludicrous, um, and just goes to show how how much of a skyrocket dynasty this really was i love that that's great you know what they also the the that that opening streak by the gold by the golden state warriors in 2015 is the most most wins by an american professional sports team and it broke a a record that it said for over a hundred years it was some team in baseball in like the 1880s i can't remember the name of them but it is it is the most wins by a, a North American sports team, the most wins. They, and they broke like a 100-year-old record. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty uh, obscene when you really look at all the, all the records that they've broken in the last seven years. Um, it is, it's pretty incredible. So Ray, what do you, so, Ray, what do you got? Top three. Let's hear it. All right, I've got the June eighth, 2018 Game 4 Golden State versus Cleveland. 
I've for number two, I've got the May twenty eighth, twenty sixteen game six Golden State versus Oklahoma City. And for number one, I've got the June sixteenth, twenty fifteen Golden State versus Cleveland game six. Nice. What about you, Rudy? Oof, man. Uh, two of these have already been said. June tw- number three, June twelfth, twenty seventeen NBA Finals game five versus the Cavs. Kevin Durant drops 39 points to close that sucker out. Number two is the one that's already showed up on all your lists. Uh, Raymond, you picked game four. I picked game three, the KD Dagger three game. June 18th, June 6th, NBA Finals game three, Warriors at the Cavs. The KD Dagger three, the the drop back, step back three, right in LeBron's face. I think that's got to hurt more than even game four for him. It was just a... It was that was a great moment. It was and and that moment just solidified at that point that Katie was the king, and uh, that that to me it was it was a real tough one. It was between that and Game Four. It was real tough for me, but I was like, you know what? Just for sheer moxie and just like you know, just pump the chest. We, you know, you are done. This is over. I had to go with uh, with Game Three, and then Number One. I also have chosen. June 16th, 2015, NBA Finals, Game 6, Warriors at the Cavs. Well done. Warriors defeat the Cavs to take win their first championship, 100%. I went with that, number one, baby. That was it. That's it. We got another tie. All right, Candlestick Will, what you got? Well, I, did, I did ruin it then because I, ha- I have mentioned that game already. So um, so we won't have, we won't have a sweep um, for our number one, but... I actually, I think the game I have number one is a game no one's mentioned yet, so that's gonna, that's going to be interesting. So for number three, I've got the May twenty eighth, twenty sixteen uh, Western Conference Finals game six against the Thunder. Uh, for number two, I've got the f- February twenty seventh, twenty sixteen um, overtime win at the Thunder, uh, the Steph uh, game winner. And then for number one, I've got May tenth, twenty nineteen against the Rockets Western Conference Finals game seven, where. Uh, and I'll get to why in just a minute. So, Ray, break break down your top three. All right. So, I chose the June 8th, 2018, 2018 game, the game four, because this was, again, a closeout game in a four-game sweep in another dominant performance where the Warriors said, not today. Sorry, Mr. LeBron James. Not happening today. LeBron James had a very mediocre game. In this game, this was a Steph Curry game by and large. Kevin Durant did chip in 20. Clay Thompson with an understated 10. JaVale McGee, 6. Draymond Green chipped in 9. But Steph Curry came out and said, we are closing you out and dropped 37 big ones during this night. He shot nearly 45% from three-point. He was 7 of 15 for that night. He was 100% on three throw attempts with six for six. He had three steals, three blocks, uh, six or um, four assists. He was just magnificent in this game. And I'm surprised he doesn't have at least one finals MVP throughout the five trips that they made because he certainly made a case. And I think, in my opinion, at least two of those trips, he made a significant case. And then one of them was prob- could possibly have been a toss-up. But... To me, this was just another game where it's just like in your face. 
in your goddamn face and uh, in your face of the king who I think uh, he only shot one three-point attempt in that game, and he missed that one. He was he made only nine of eleven free throw attempts, and only dropped twenty-three points in a very mediocre effort. Kevin Love was lackluster that game. Gr Smith dropped ten in that game. Everyone else was single digits, with the exception of Rodney Hood, who played decent off the bench. But there was just I I believe the team was just really dead at this point because again this was. This was a series that they never really had a chance in. I mentioned game one earlier in my list uh, for for this series because this was just, you know, there's just really, they were just outmatched and outgunned in every single way. Steph Curry dropped 12 in the first quarter alone. Then uh, Steph Curry dropped eight in the second quarter. And then Clay Thompson dropped his 10. He made all of his money in the third quarter. Clay finally came alive after really being very quiet most of the game, but he dropped 10 in the third quarter, and that was nice to see. And then, again, Curry was very consistent. He dropped 12 again in the fourth. When it counted the most, he showed up, and he was very, very consistent. By the way, uh, comparatively, LeBron James put in three points in the fourth quarter. He did not show up. The May 28th game that I have at number two, once again, I just can't impress upon you how impressive the Clay Thompson performances are whenever they do decide to show up. This was a do-or-die moment, a do-or-die moment when, by the way, Steph Curry dropped zero points in the first quarter in a do-or-die game. It was not looking good for them early on. And, you know, Clay Thompson, only he, he dropped seven, so he was he was pretty good in that quarter, and the, the teams were pretty evenly matched in that first quarter. But then the second quarter... Uh, again, Curry came alive with nine. Clay Thompson was consistent with nine, but uh, Kevin Durant dropped twelve. And then, really, in the third quarter, that's when Steph Curry finally came alive and dropped fourteen big ones um, uh, in that quarter. And third quarter has just been a very consistent and strong quarter for the Warriors throughout this entire dynasty. It's just been a money quarter for them for whatever reason. I think there's something about the way that Steve Curry regroups them and has them come out. For that, because they've always played excellent coming out of the halftime break, and sure enough, that was the case in this game. But then, of course, the money quarter when it counts the most—not how you start, it's how you finish—and Clay Thompson finished with, as you mentioned, Rudy, the big 19 points in the fourth quarter. Everyone kind of chipped in in the fourth quarter. Everyone was uh, plus in the plus category, even on the bench uh, for this team, while. Everyone in Oklahoma City, every single player in Oklahoma City in the fourth quarter was a minus, um, whether they were on Dion Waiters, Randy uh, Foy, Anthony Moreau off the bench, and then Durant, Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, Andre Roberson, and Steven Adams, all minus in the fourth quarter. They did not show up. Meanwhile, the, the Warriors closed the game out, and Clay Thompson salvaged the series in what would be a very historic performance. And then number one, of course, I think for the obvious reasons, this was the first, the beginning of the dynasty. And the signification of that just really kind of stood out to me. It was the easiest game for me to pick just because of what it meant, what it meant for this whole journey that losing the two uh, playoff appearances the year before the years before under Mark Jackson and having a new head coach that really kind of took a great team or took a good team and made them great 
with his philosophy of basketball coming from a championship uh, pedigree when, when he was a player and bringing that into the fold in Golden State, uh, it just uh, it it just means a lot. It, it meant a lot. It meant uh, what would be the first of five trips to the NBA Finals, three of which would result in being NBA championship and uh, NBA champions, and that that was uh, that was a big deal because uh, everyone really chipped in in this closeout game. Curry had twenty five points. Green had sixteen. Iggy had twenty five. I mean, this was just a big, big game. Uh, the three-point performance was not as great as it uh, usually is. You know, I think uh, Curry was didn't have a great performance uh, shooting-wise, but for the three, but he did, he made three out of his eleven attempts. But again, this was a big, a big closeout game in what would be the first of a big run. LeBron James actually had a big game in that uh, in that uh, final closeout game, but it obviously wasn't enough. And Steph Curry had a big fourth quarter. He scored 13 in the fourth. LeBron's had 10. But uh, it was enough. It was enough to really close it out. I think JR15 even had 15 in the fourth quarter. They really they really tried to, you know, make it a game there. But uh, it just wasn't enough. And sure enough, that would be the first of five trips to the finals. And that was why I chose it as number one, just because it was the beginning of the dynasty. What about you, Rudy? All right. So... There's not a whole lot I can say about numbers three and two, but I'll, rem- I'll remind the audience just so they can hear them. That I don't think there's a lot I can say that hasn't been said. You know, June twelfth, twenty seventeen, NBA Finals Game Five versus the Cavs to win the finals. We close it out. We we avenge the twenty sixteen season. Um, same with Raymond. I love closeout games. I love the significance of of these games. Twenty eighteen. The June 6th, the KD Dagger game, I mean, I kind of already embellished on it even when I dropped it. I mean, it was just just the most moxie game, and to do it against LeBron and to do it against that team was such an epic game. And then number one, I'm going to come at it from a different perspective. Um, I love everything that you said, Ray, and I completely agree with you. This also was now the second team to bring a championship to the Bay Area. And while the San Francisco Giants are pretty much the sole property of San Francisco, the Warriors are the one team that the entire Bay Area can rally around. And that's something that's really special. And that it was actually a team that could unite the entire Bay. And that everybody, we could all celebrate together and and be united as one. And it isn't about the Raiders or it isn't about the Niners or the A's and the Giants. This is the one team that we all rally around. And so it was just really special not only for that the Warriors did it for themselves and, and were able to, you know, come to, to break this 40-year curse and bring another championship to the team and to the franchise, but also just unite the Bay, you know, and then on a on a second level, bring another championship to San Francisco, a third team, a third team uh, on, on, about to embark on, their, on a dynasty. And having lived through the 49ers, the Giants, and then to see the Warriors, this was quite the epic run. And this was the start of something that was really special that I, I mean, I go beyond this. I remember the time just being like, I can't believe we have four championships and five appearances. I can't believe we're even at this level in the Bay. This is incredible. And then to not realize it wasn't even remotely done. In fact, we just got done appearing in another NBA Finals and Super Bowl here in 2019 and 2020. Um, We're not even done. We're not done winning championships. I don't believe that we are. I would not be surprised if the Warriors brought another championship in the next couple years. And I also believe the 49ers are going to do the same thing. And so it was... It was really, it was really the, 
the significance of showing that the San Francisco Bay Area, we weren't done. And in fact, we were just getting started on our domination. And we were basically about to become the new Boston. And I remember when a buddy of mine, he called me uh, midway through this Niners season. And he goes, I want to let you know, you guys are the new Boston. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, it just goes, I think you're going to the Super Bowl. And it drives me nuts. He goes, because you guys just go to a championship every year in something now. And you've done this for the whole decade. It's insane. And I'm like, I started laughing and I go, I guess you're right. We do go to a lot of championships. And that's one thing I would do. I really like to brag about on the Goldcast because you just don't hear it enough. And, you know, we've got to hear all day about New Yorkers when that team hasn't been, when almost none of their teams have been significant for this entire century. Boston has had has rubbed it in everyone's faces over and over and over again on every single Fox between Fox Sports, ESPN, Bleacher Report, The Ringer, uh, Grantland. You know, you've got to see it over and over and over again. And no one, no one fights for the Bay. And we are literally been the most dominant sports city, sports area of the decade, and no one fights for us. And it really started with this with this game. It really started with winning this championship. And so uh, I think that's something that we can't ignore is the, also just the, the significance for this fan base and for the fan for the San Francisco Bay Area. Just how important this was, and it gives me chills when I talk about it. It's something that. We will probably never see again, but what a run, man. What an incredible run, and it all started right here on June 16, 2015, when the Warriors defeated the Cavs in Game 6 of the NBA Finals. And it, all it did was extend what I thought had be, ended with the San Francisco Giants. It was really just beginning, and pretty special. Pretty special, and uh, you know, gives me chills to think about it to this day. And it, uh, for me, it had to be at number one um, for all the reasons: for the significance of it, the importance of it, the historical importance, and just the sheer excitement of seeing the Warriors pull off something that nobody thought they were going to be able to do at the beginning of the season. Everyone doubted them through the entire season, and no one thought they were going to beat LeBron uh, and the Cavaliers in in the beginning of that season. I mean, at the beginning of that finals, they were completely counted out, and so it was just a just a magical run and definitely that's why it's at my number one so candlestick will what about you buddy so for number three i have the may 28 2016 game um at the thunder western conference finals game six everyone knows it as the clay thompson game clay had 41 11 three-pointers 19 points in the fourth quarter went five of six from three um people will forget very quickly that steph curry had 31 and was six of 14 from three or that Draymond was 12, had 12, 12, and 6 and was a plus 16 because Clay Thompson was just incredible. I mean, 11 threes in a playoff game, do or die on the road, um, down 3-2, must-win game. Uh, Warriors outscored the Thunder 33-18 to in the fourth quarter. It was one of the most ridiculous performances we've ever seen, and we've talked at length about all the ridiculous Clay Thompson performances we've seen. Um, this one was by far his best um, and definitely worthy of a top three slot. Uh, number two, earlier that season, um, maybe the greatest regular season game in NBA history, um, certainly uh, in the conversation, uh, February 27, 2016, um, at the Thunder, um, Steph Curry with 46 points, um, hits the game winner in overtime. The The biggest moment of that game was... Andre Iguodala hitting two free throws down two with, you know, 0.7 seconds left. Iguodala was a 61% free throw shooter that season. 
Um, both teams had shot under 60% for the game going into that moment. So nobody was making free throws all day. Ste- uh, Iguodala hardly ever makes his free throws, and he hits two free throws down two with 0.7 seconds left. The fact that they even had the opportunity to take that shot is crazy in itself. Um, Clay hit a couple of clutch shots you know, with less than a minute to go, but Clay gets the layup uh, with like seven seconds left or like 12 seconds left, something like that. Um, and then they go to, they go to inbound the ball. Uh, Durant gets it. They don't foul him. They double team him in the corner. Instead of calling a timeout, he tries to throw a pass to half court. It gets stolen by Clay Thompson. He get, uh, Draymond gets the loose ball, gets it back to Clay Thompson, who throws it to Iguodala. Iguodala gets fouled by Durant on the shot, um, trying to shoot a shot with a, a second left. And ends up having, ends up going to the line. The, the game itself, I mean, the Thunder were up um, double digits in the uh, in the second half. They were up with like four minutes to go, where it looked like the game was over, and uh, and the Warriors just never stopped coming back. And they were fifty one and five coming into that game. They leave that game fifty two and five. Steph Curry cemented his place as the MVP that night. Um, the MVP was decided if it hadn't already been um, in February, which is just ridiculous. Um, you know, in in some ways similar to the way Giannis played this year uh, for the for the Bucks, where the MVP is pretty much already locked up. Um, but the one game that I think has been better this decade than that was the Western Conference Finals, Game Seven, May tenth of last year. Um, to get the Warriors to a fifth straight finals. No Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's hurt. Steph Curry, zero points in the first half. Klay Thompson goes for 21 in the first quarter. Steph Curry goes for 33 in the second quarter, or 33 in the second half. Um, and I, I said that wrong. Klay Thompson had 21 points in the first half. Steph Curry had 33 points in the second half. Um, just an unbelievable game. With no Kevin Durant, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson beat James Harden in Houston again for the fourth time in five years. You know, we, we talked about it last week where it looked like you know the, the every time that the Niners played the Packers, the Niners won. Every time the Warriors played the Rockets, the Warriors won when it when it mattered. And um, the, what what I my favorite thing about this game besides the fact that this was like the old school Warriors, you know, with just Steph, Clay, and Draymond, uh, Iguodala, and, and Sean Livingston, and not much else, is how many minutes the the other guys played. Uh, Andrew Bogut, who had come back from Australia, was not the Andrew Bogut of the 2015 team, um, played 11 minutes in that game. Uh, Jonas Urekbo played 12 minutes. Alfonso McKinney played 6 minutes. Quinn Cook played 15 minutes. And Jordan Bell played 10 minutes. This was the epitome of strength in numbers. The epitome of Steph Curry is a legend. The epitome of Klay Thompson is way vastly underrated as a two-way player. Maybe one, maybe the most underrated player in the NBA right now. Um, those two in the in the Splash Brother you know era, the Splash Brother dynasty, the whole aura of that group. To me, this game solidifies all of that. That. All the talk about the Warriors ruined the NBA. Kevin Durant was soft for coming to the Warriors after losing to him. All that, all that nonsense of people just being 
jealous and bitter that their their favorite team didn't do it, um, you know, didn't go out and sign the best free agent available. Um, that the Warriors without KD didn't it didn't matter. They still beat the Rockets because the Rockets are a team full of losers who lose all the time. And I, I know that's harsh, and I know that's not actually true. But I like to be petty when it comes to the Rockets because their fans are delusional and they continually act like James Harden is amazing when every time it matters, James Harden shrinks and, and chokes. And I would hate my, for my favorite player to be that way. And so I like the fact that my, that my favorite team has players that win. It's just, it's kind of cool that way. And, uh, and so that's my little petty rant on why it's the number one game uh, for me in this last decade, because it's, it just signified every single thing that this, this team was. It was that they found a way to win anyway. They found a way to win when people thought they were finally going to go away. And for an entire year, you know, and really three years, but an entire year, everyone was talking all of last season about, will the Warriors finally die? Will the Warriors finally end? When... Uh, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant had the infamous you know, fight in front of everyone uh, in L.A. when they played the Clippers and lost. Every single you know, talking head was like, this is it, finally. The Warriors are finally going to crash. They're finally going to burn. And even though they did you know, end up losing to the Raptors in the finals, they got all the way to the finals because just because the league wanted them to finally fall apart, they chose to keep fighting. And even in that finals they get to game six they almost won game six and had they won game six they would have had a game seven at home and who knows what would have happened so even with the the injuries to clay and durant they still may have had a shot at possibly winning that series had it gone to seven because who knows with the game seven and so just all the things they've been through in these last seven years especially that game to me sums it all up i love that that is a i 100 percent agree you know, what I also find interesting, and I, I think it's worthy of note, that game six, the Clay Thompson 41-point game, that is in the top five of all three of ours. That made Raymond's number two. It made your number three. It made my number five. And uh, I, I think there's something to be said about about that in particular. Um, overall, a really, uh, really, really great set of lists. I will say one thing about, uh, I'll say one compliment about the Rockets, and then I'll say one uh, not very nice thing about the Rockets. The one thing I'll give them credit for, at least their GM, I'll give their GM credit that while every other team tried to run away, they were the one team that were like, screw it. We're going to go right for these guys. And they never shied away from us. A thousand, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. They absolutely get credit for that. Yep, I'll give them credit for that every day, like every day, like no question. They were the one team. They were never afraid, and uh, uh, and they, they stepped up to the plate when everyone else was trying to run away as far away from possible as words as they could. But well, they they knew they you know they they knew who they had to beat if they wanted to get a ring. Yeah, it was only one team. Yeah, right. It's it's easy. In fact, we made it easy for them. Beat one team. Now. The what my my uh my one not very nice thing about them is that when you're when your number one player when part of his offensive strategy is to purposely land two and a half feet in front of where he jumped to to make his shot in order to draw a foul that isn't really a foul and then gets mad at, at the refs for not calling that foul, that's bitch shit. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Like when 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 part of your game is to manipulate the refs to create fouls that aren't don't exist. I don't have a lot of respect for you. So you get what you deserve. Well, the, and the other issue is when part of your game is to play ISO ball uh, against a team that knows that you're going to play ISO ball. It's you know the results speak for themselves. Yeah. You know, Harden's terrific. And, you know, he reminds me of Peyton Manning. Terrific in the regular season. But when the lights shone on him throughout the postseason, you know, it was just a lesser version of himself. Yeah. Yeah, I also just think that that style well, and, is not sustainable. At least, at least Peyton got rings, though. Yeah, Peyton. Peyton Manning got a couple of rings, so Harden's not quite there yet. No. He's more like the Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, any final thoughts, Ray, before we wrap up? Uh, just that these were great lists, and uh, I think um, I I I just I really like to hear all of the admiration towards Clay Thompson because I feel like he really deserves it, and he just he he goes he goes unnoticed a lot. Obviously, not in the Warriors locker room, but in the greater NBA. I mean, he has the textbook shot that is taught in the lower divisions because um, his his style of play, his shooting mechanics, are the quintessential form that is taught in the lower division. I mean, that's how great Clay's Clay is of a basketball player where where he is the quintessential great A example of how you are supposed to shoot the basketball in, you know, in if you want to, you know, really hone your skills and refine your skills. That's uh it's it's he's he's like the uh the training poster boy for how you shoot the basketball not only in the NBA but also in the NCAA. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's funny because across the board, I think if if you'd never had never knew who the Warriors were at the end of this these lists, you'd be sitting here going, who is this Clay Thompson guy? He sounds like the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you sure? It's like I thought Curry was. The MVP. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How come this Clay guy never won won the MVP? This is the guy you guys all keep talking about. Um, but I think it also goes to show that. When it comes to the fan base, when it comes to the real Warriors fans, it's it's Clay is undeniable. He's undeniable, and he, and man, he has just, uh, you know, it, it, if you if you're putting if you're putting together top top eleven games of all time, you know, Clay is going to throw a lot of haymakers because uh, he's he's put up just some epic epic runs. Candlestick, well, what about you? Any final thoughts, bud? Well, yeah, I think I think we one of the things that we established with our list is that. Clay Thompson is um, is as much a part of this legacy as Steph is, um, with how how many signature Clay games uh, were on our list. Um, I do think that if we were to ask a hundred Warrior fans what's the best game of um, uh, you know of this decade uh, for the Warriors, um, that it's going to be one of those two Thunder games for for most people. Um, they that. They might pick a game like the Rockets game that I picked or like one of the Cavs games that you guys picked because of the significance of the championships, obviously, or because of how fun it is to beat the Rockets and how many different ways they beat the Rockets. But those two Thunder games in particular, the Game 6 play game and the regular season game, um, I think are the ones that stand out the most as far as just how epic they were for so many different reasons. So. I think those Thunder games are going to end up being the ones that people talk about 10, 20 years from now. Um, you know, the, the way that they'll talk about the Michael, Michael Jordan flu game uh, when they talk about the Bulls, um, 
you know, 20, 30 years from now, uh, that flu game will be, you know, one of the main ones or the, the clinching game against the jazz where he hits the shot over Russell, you know, those, those games are going to get more attention than a lot of the other games that they won or the John Paxson shot or the Steve Kerr shot. Like those games are going to stand out more than all their other wins. Um, because those are the ones that have the, the best narrative. Um, and so for the Warriors, I think those two Thunder games are going to end up having the longest, uh, the longest lasting effect on what people talk about first when they mention the dynasty. You might be right. Definitely the most epic run, uh, one of the most epic runs I've ever seen in my life. And uh, what say you, Goldcast Nation? Let us know. Go to youtube.com slash the goldcast and let us know what your top 11 Gold State Warriors games of all time are. Or go to Twitter at top11podcast, T-O-P-1-1 podcast. Go to at top11podcast and let us know what your top 11 Golden State Warriors games of all time will be. We will be back later on next week with the top 11 greatest San Francisco Giants games. And as we've been pumping through every episode of the last couple weeks, then we go into the finals. We may not have NCAA March Madness, but we have a Bay Area March Madness right here. And it is to determine what the greatest games of the last 10 years are. And uh, so stay tuned. Lots of great content coming back up. And so concludes another edition of the Top 11 Podcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And our esteemed co-hosts. Candle, stick, will. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.